All right, hello, Grace Point. Welcome into Thursday night teaching. Pastor Brad, anybody else that's out there, uh, we're marching through Matthew, and we're on chapter 16 now. We're just moving, moving right on. Jesus is fulfilling His ministry. He's healing the sick. He's feeding the... Just miracles are happening. He's confirming all the promises made to the fathers, and uh, He's just going to keep marching. But a little bit of a shift here, because he, as He's getting closer to Jerusalem, He's going to tell His followers about the cross, and uh, it's going to heat up a little bit with the scribes and Pharisees. There's going to be some dialogue coming up as he heads toward Jerusalem. So get ready for it. It's coming. And Father, open our minds and hearts and ears to your word. The hearing ear and the seeing eye come from you. And we pray for that in your mercy. You'd be merciful to us, Father, and give us those things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Then the Pharisees and Sadducees came and testing him, asked if he would show them a sign from heaven. Now, before I go any further, can you believe the temerity? Can you believe the scribes and the Pharisees asking for a sign? I feel like that, what, Jeff Foxworthy, you know? Hey, I just multiplied the loaves and the fishes. I just healed the Canaanite's daughter. I've just healed all the lame and the halt and all fulfilling the prophecies in Isaiah about the Messiah. I feel like, like here's your sign, right? What, what, what do you mean you need a sign? I've been healing everywhere. So it's just kind of weird that what did, they, what did they want from Jesus? He was fulfilling the Old Testament. He was fulfilling the prophecies, and I, I, I don't have them all written down. I should in Isaiah. I've gone over them before about the messianic prophecies, about the lame walking and the deaf hearing and the blind seeing. And yet, they're so stubborn and hard-hearted, they want him to do something like what, stop the moon or something, or turn the moon into blood, or they're just asking for something crazy. And yet, if they search the scriptures, which they did, they would understand that those scriptures were testifying to Jesus. But they wouldn't come to him. Even though everything and every sign was pointing to him. So it really is amazing, the hard-heartedness of these people. But I tell you, are we any more hard-hearted in our nation? Are we any more hard-hearted in our times? Has the human heart really changed? No, it hasn't. We still need the grace and mercy of God, just like the scribes and Pharisees did. So Jesus is going to, he answers them. He says, hey, when it's evening, you say it's fair weather, the sky is red. In the morning, it's foul weather, the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous um, generation seeks after a sign, and no sign shall be given except the sign of Jonah, and he left them and departed. He did exactly what he told the people to do earlier. He said, leave them alone. They be blind guides of the blind. It says here, he left them. He rebuked them. He said, I'm not going to give you a sign, even though he had already given them sign after sign. They wanted some, you know, crazy sign. You know, he's, I've already given you signs. And he says, no sign is going to be given to you but the sign of Jonah. Then he left. And, and folks, you know, but what's the sign of Jonah? 
Jonah spent three nights, three days and night in the heart of a belly, didn't he? And then he was symbolically resurrected from the dead out of the belly's well. Jesus was going to spend three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, and he was going to be resurrected as the ultimate sign that he was the Son of God. That was the final proof. And he told him, that's what I'm going to do. And they know it happened. They, they covered it up. They knew that Jesus raised from the dead, and rather many of them, rather than repenting, Rather than accepting him, they covered it up. It's no different than a political party. They have power. And even though they know that they're lying to you, I don't want to talk about the Trump-Russia investigation. I don't want to bring that into it. But even though they know that they're lying to you, they just cover it up. They persist in their lies. They deny it, right? It's no different political parties, both right and left. They get caught in the lie. They just cut. It's like the Grinch said he made up a lie and he made up one quick, right? They got caught in lie and, and, and so they just keep covering. It's amazing how hard-hearted they were, literally risen from the dead and still uh, covering it up and, and rejecting their Messiah. So he said, no, guys. Remember in chapter 15, where did Jesus say the problem was? Where was the problem? Was it because they didn't, with their natural eyes, they didn't see the miracles? Didn't they see the miracles? The same ones that the Gentile or the, uh, the Jewish common man was, didn't they see those miracles? Yeah. Didn't they see the multiplication of the loaves and fish? Yeah. So where was their problem? It was in their hearts. He had already told them what their problem was. He said, you, you know, you honor me with your lips. You make a show of religion. And he's really going to get after that in chapter 23. You make a show of your religion. He says, but guys, your hearts are far, far from me. Everything that has to do with true faith, true religion in the good sense of the word, true Christianity, it's all a matter of the heart. Paul prays, that the eyes of our heart would be opened. Paul prays that the eyes of our understanding would be opened. Jesus, Jesus says that seeing you don't see and hearing you don't hear. In the spiritual walk, in the Christian walk, in the walk of faith, Paul said we walk by faith and not by sight. Always a matter of the heart. And that's why it's true. And I say this humbly. And you know, I don't know where I stand in all this. God, God's my judge. That's why some people receive more from God. They have a closer relationship with God. They live a holier life. You know, they're not saved by their holiness, but they live closer to God. They live a more loving life, a holier life, because their eyes are open. Their hearts are open. Some folks get miracles, and, and sometimes people don't. And you say, why? Some folks' hearts are walking in step with the Spirit, and they're living a supernatural life. Other people are not seeing with their heart. They're walking their Christian life out mostly in the flesh in a non-supernatural way. They're not praying, uh, I mean, connecting with God in prayer. They're not in the Word renewing their mind, so they're living a life in the flesh. And they won't see much in their life. I'm not saying they're not saved. Paul called them carnal Christians. I'm not saying they're not saved. 
Well, I'm saying, where's the issue? These guys knew the Word. These guys memorized the Torah, and yet their spiritual eyes were blind. We can go to church every week. We can do a devotion every day and still not walk in intimacy with the Lord. Some folks are afraid to open their heart up to God. They're afraid He's going to send them to China or may, cause, may ask them to give up a relationship or may uh, take something from them. That's, that's the fear. That's, reli- that's religion, religious fear. But the reality is when we open up our hearts and open up our minds to the Lord, He is only going to increase us. And even anything that He ever asked us to give up is only going to be a blessing to us. Look, that alcoholic that doesn't want to surrender that bottle And that bottle is killing them. But they're holding tight to the person that's smoking cigarettes. And maybe the Lord is asking them to give up the cigarettes. And they just want to hold on because they're addicted. They don't want to give up those cigarettes. So they hold on tight. And that tobacco, I'm talking about the health consequences, not the act of it. That tobacco is killing them. Or the person that has a a certain habit, maybe a, a young man and woman who aren't married living together and sleeping together. And they're so afraid that the Lord is going to break up what they're doing. They won't surrender it to God. And so they relegate themselves uh, out of fear and, and, and to a non-relationship with God where they're walking in the flesh and they're not receiving the promises of God. And God loves them. And God only wants to help them, but He can't. They're tying His hands because they're, they're not listening to the Lord. There's nothing ever that God is going to ask from a person that's going to diminish them in any way. If He asks you for your sin, He's going to reward you with righteousness. If He asks you for a relationship, He's going to bless you far more than any relationship you could ever give to Him. And besides that, if you really want to have a prosperous, fruitful relationship, You want all your relationships in the Lord. What am I saying? Folks, we have to open up our hearts to the Lord. I'm going to end here. I I went a little different direction today than I thought I was going to go with this, but I'm going to end here. In the book of James, James is talking to Christians, people that are born again, people that in some way do know the Lord. And he's saying, Where do the wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members at your flesh? You lust and do not have. You murder. I don't think he means physical murder. I think he means murderous attitudes. It could be physical too. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and you war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it upon your own pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you not think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously for that spirit? And get this, this is powerful. But he gives more grace. But He gives more grace. And at that throne of grace, we're going to obtain mercy. But who does He give that grace to? God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God and resist the devil, 
and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, that's your works, that's your actions, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Remember, I talked about double-minded. Your spirit wants to go one way, two-souled. Your spirit wants to go one way, your mind wants to go another. Purify, have one mind. Lord, unite my heart within me, one mind. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He will raise you up. The religious mindset, I'm going all the way back to my first lesson here in this series. The religious mindset, the scribes and the Pharisees would not humble themselves. Even after all the miracles, all the signs and wonders, they would not humble themselves. They would not accept their Messiah. They resisted Him, and therefore they resisted the grace of God. The only thing they had to do was humble themselves and say, Jesus, you're Lord, you're the Messiah. Let your will be done in my life. Let your purposes, plans, and pursuits be done. Humble themselves. Then they would come out of that humility before God in that submission before God with the authority and the ability to resist the devil to walk in authority over Satan and to resist the devil. And folks, it's the same with us. We can't be double-minded. We can't be seeking the friendship of the world and the pleasures of the world. You know what, the, the flesh can't be. We need to be pursuing God and having our heart united within us, walking in the Spirit, bringing the carnal flesh under subjection, renewing our mind, walking in the will of God, submitting to the Lord and rising up out of that humble submission to God with the goodness and glory and power of God in us so that we can resist the devil. And that's what God has promised us as New Testament believers. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that what you want? I know it's what I want. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll help us to let go of our worldly trinkets, the things that we hold on to in the flesh that do not satisfy and seek the treasure, the gold that comes from you only. In Jesus' name, amen.